Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Today I want to talk to you about burnt stones. Let's say that together. Burnt stones. I want to talk to you today about the power of God to restore broken lives. This is God's agenda for the day that we live in. And if we know anything about a fire, you can see in that picture that's up there that the fire has absolutely decimated what was formerly built on top of that ground. You'll even see the scorched stones on the landscaping barrier at the front of that house. And just recently on the next slide, we can see what took place in the California fires recently in 2020. In fact, there was really severe bushfires in both Australia and the United States last year and other parts of the earth, but these were particularly severe. And, you know, after a fire, a house fire in particular, people go back and they're standing in the ruins and they're looking to see if they can find, is there anything of value? that I can find out of this devastation and this wreck that's raised this property to the ground. And that's what happens to many lives, human lives. Many human lives are scorched by the fire of pain and disappointment, let down, false promises, and the fire scorches our lives. Because the Bible talks that we're like stones, people. The Bible speaks in pictures. And God uses the analogy of stones being people, as we're going to discover this morning. And if we think back to a time in the history of Israel, where Jerusalem was once a thriving centerpiece of the world. It was a city like no other. And there's a modern day look at the city there. I've, I've been there, I've wept on that wall. We're on top of that wall once the Temple of Solomon dwelt. And, uh, and the old city of Jerusalem is still one of the most magnificent places you can walk anywhere in the world today. You can smell the history coming out of the stones and the rocks. But you see these giant-shaped, sculptured stones that have been laid carefully one on top of the other. Well, in 586 BC, Jerusalem, this magnificent city that was the centerpiece of the world, it was such an incredible city that that personalities and royal figures from nations came to inspect the glory of this city that is in the center of the world in the Middle East the holy city of Jerusalem. The queen of Sheba came to inspect the glory of this city when Solomon was reigning there. And she said, not even the half of it has been told how magnificent this city is. And in 586, a marauding army came into the city of Jerusalem, raped, pillaged, stole, desecrated, pulled down, wrecked and burnt the stones with fire 
and destroyed this once magnificent city that was reduced to a city of rubble. And of course, this is a the Old Testament temple is a picture of the New Testament believer. And this is also a picture of the New Testament church, which once started with magnificent glory. Did you know that the early church was so powerful that it overturned and dramatically turned the whole of the Roman Empire upside down and inside out? Look at these men, these ordinary men, they said in the book of Acts, that have turned the world upside down. Such was the magnificence of the glory on these living stones in the New Testament that whole nations were turned around by the power of God working through the magnificence of the early New Testament church. Well, we know history. And if you know history, the church lost that glory. The church lost that shine. The church lost that radiating God's presence and seeing the life of God being mirrored through the body of Christ. And we went into a season called the Dark Ages in church history where much of the glory of the church was lost and it was completely enveloped in darkness. Well, you see, there's something about history that we know, and that is that God loves to restore broken cities, broken people, loves to bring back that which is wrecked and destroyed and breathe life into it again and restore it back to its former glory. The latter latter day house shall be greater than the former house, the Word of God tells us. So we know where God God is heading in the world today, and He wants to use you and I to be part of that in the world today. But all of us, I know what it's personally like to be a scorched, burnt rock, a stone that has suffered all kinds of stuff that happens to many, many people, which is so common in the world today of lives that have been scorched and burnt by the pain of disappointment, depression being let down time and time again, false promises being made, relationships where trust is being breached over and over again. And after a while, you begin to feel like a scorched, charred, burnt stone in your life. Well, I want to tell you something today. God has a plan and a vision and a dream for your life today. Just as Jerusalem, the once magnificent city, has been rebuilt, God is into rebuilding broken lives and scorched and charred rocks and bringing them back into the present day reality of his life touching them. And I want to talk today from the book of Nehemiah where we see this whole story unfolding after the armies have destroyed. Because you see, the enemy's plan in the city of Jerusalem was that this once great city would never ever be resurrected from the rubble again. That was the agenda. And did you know that Satan has the same agenda for your life? Did you know that the agenda for your life is that the devil wants to leave you broken, charred, and burnt, never to be resurrected to shine and radiate God's glory again, to leave you in the dust, feeling all the overwhelming emotions of what it feels like to be charred and burnt? That is the devil's plan for your life. Jesus said he's only come to steal to kill and to destroy. Aren't they powerful adjectives? Steal, 
from you, rob from you what God's put into you, to kill that which brings life, to snuff it out, to destroy that which God has built within your life. The devil is a robber. He is a thief. And Jesus called him the father of lies. That's all his agenda is around about our lives. And so when you find yourself feeling like a burnt, scorched stone, the devil will tell you and lie to you black and blue, this is your future. This is all you've got to look forward to. You're never going to get out of your funk. You're never going to make it out of where you are today. But I want to tell you, greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world, that Jesus Christ and his glory has the ability to resurrect and raise you back to life and cause you once again to shine and mirror and radiate the glory of your heavenly Father, that you would be sons and daughters of the Most High God today. So the book of Nehemiah, we're going to go straight to chapter 4, where we find an interesting chap, verse 1. But it so happened when Sambalat, Sambalat was a Moabite. Sambalat was known in the Old Testament as an unclean person. The Moabites were the enemies of the children of God. And we all have Sambalats that want to surround our life. And so we see from this perspective that this man is firing up. Why is he firing up? Because suddenly a man called Nehemiah has turned up on the job and he's turned up with resources. He's turned up with authority. He's turned up with favor. He's turned up with a vision. He's turned up with people who are ready to get alongside of him and work the work of God in his day. And suddenly the enemies of God are starting to get disturbed and troubled. Did you know that's exactly how demonic spirits work? Demonic spirits, when they see the work of God being initiated within your life, they start to get agitated. They start to get mad. They start to stir things up in and around you. They'll even touch people and agitate people who are close to you just to get to you. Hello, is anybody home? Has anybody experienced this before in your lives? And so they, this guy called Sambalat, which means strength, which is talking about demonic strength. This is what he says. He heard that they were rebuilding the wall and he was furious. This is exactly how the demonic invisible realm works. It becomes furious and mad and will throw the kitchen sink at you when God is beginning to restore you as a burnt stone. Hallelujah. And he was very indignant. And what did he do? He mocked the Jews. I don't know if you've ever heard that in a still small voice of mocking. Who do you think you are? You think you're going to get out of this mess? You're going to be in this mess for the rest of your life. You're never going to get out of debt. You're never going to fix that broken relationship. You're useless. You're weak. You're nothing. That's the mocking voice that you will hear of the Sambalats whispering in the spirit around about your life. And verse 2, he spoke before his brothers and the army of Samaria. Here is a, here's his big talk. What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish? Listen, stones that are burned. Will they revive, that means bring back to life, the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now, Tobiah the Ammonite, his mate, 
Did you know that demonic realm very rarely works in singles? You'd always find that whenever we're facing an enemy, there's more than one. And we've got to be mindful of that today. So there's the Sambalats and the Tobias that surround us trying to destroy our lives. And he said, whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will broke, broke down their stone wall. So the question that he asked mockingly is simply this. Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that have been burnt? You know what? I'm so thrilled to say that God revived me as a burnt stone. I was, I was ready to go to an early grave. Prior to coming to Christ, I became very suicidal, had several attempts on my own life, planned and ready to execute in the depths of my depression and in the depths of my despair. But you know what? God takes somebody who has no might, who has no strength, because he says it's not by your might, it's not by your strength, but it's by my power, says the Holy Ghost, where God can restore and raise out of the dust even the most broken and scorched of stones and begin to bring life back to us to confound our enemies, to confound those who are watching on and saying, they'll never recover from this. He'll never recover from this. God's got another idea that he wants to give to you and I today. Praise the name of the Lord. So what is a burnt stone this morning? In the Old Testament, the walls weren't made of wood. The walls were made of stones, normally out of limestone. So they had to be quarried and then they had to be cut and shaped in order to fit into the wall. And you see, what happens when those type of walls catch on fire that are built from limestone quarried stones is that the intense heat from the fire causes the limestone to become crumbly. And when the limestone becomes crumbly, then the enemy can actually get a long, like a long crowbar type of a mechanism, and they can wedge the stone out of the place in the wall where it's fitted into. And they can break down a wall simply through an intense heat that's been applied to those limestone quarried stones. Did you know that's the devil's plan? The devil's plan is to remove you from your wall of destiny because God is the one that places living stones here, there, and together side by side in the wall. It's called the church of Jesus Christ, where he fits us and joins us relationally together. And the devil wants to scorch your life in such a way that you're going to pull out from your destiny that you have as a child of God, and you're going to withdraw as a result of the intense opposition that comes against you, and you're going to come back, and you're no longer going to stand in that place that God has put you in. 1 Peter gives us a very clear picture here of what we're talking about in terms of the church and you and I. And he says, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. You know, together, in the same way as those large limestone rocks were quarried and shaped. Do you know what shaping is? Shaping is called discipleship. How are you shaped? You're shaped through discipleship through mentoring, through submission to the revealed word and will of God. 
And as you prepare to come and connect as a living stone, you see, you didn't always, you weren't always a living stone. Once upon a time, you were a dead stone. Before you knew Jesus, you were a dead stone. You had no life in you. There was no breath in you. There was no spiritual life within you. You were, your heart was hard. It was cold. It was stony. And then when you received Jesus, the Spirit of God came into your life and raised you up to be a living stone, no longer a dead stone. And then what God does, he says, I have a plan to shape these stones so they can fit into my purposes called the church of Jesus Christ. And as living stones, I'm going to fit this one in here. I'm going to send that one here. I'm going to put this one, that one there in Faith Point Church in in the year 2021. And I'm going to shape that person through their relational connections. So if you find yourself resisting or reluctant to have successful relationships within your life, that's what God is doing within you. He wants to take you away from being a lone wolf and he wants to begin to bring you into the relational context of being nestled and fit together next to other living stones called the church of Jesus Christ. And as he shapes you, you become the disciple that Jesus called you to be. You see, a lot of the church world in the Western context today, they have something called Mac Church. Mac Church. Like McDonald's, you just come in on a Sunday, you come and have your quick, your happy meal. I'm going to order my happy meal. I'm going to have my happy meal, a dose of pastors preaching, and then I'm going to head back out into the world. No relationships, no connection, no one walking alongside of me. I'm walking my own walk. I'm doing my own thing. Guess what? God's not into Mac Church. He's into the real deal. He's into living stone relationships where we are connecting to one another in the spirit. Glory to God this morning. So he comes and that beloved brother or sister, that when you see them coming, you take a quick sidestep and go into that broom closet so you don't have to talk to them. Because, you know, that brother just gets under your nose, that sister so-and-so, she's such a bucket mouth. I can't stop her talking. Every time she comes near me, she just annoys me. So I'm going to avoid her. I'm going to practice my, my avoidance spirit. No. And I'm going to make sure that I, I pick and choose the ones that I'm going to connect to. Well, it's not always like that, friends. Sometimes God has just the right person that you would never choose to be placed next to you in that wall of eternal destiny as a living stone. And through their rub-off effect called sandpaper ministry, (laughs) they begin to shape your rough edges so that you fit just nicely. And you sit in that wall of God's eternal purposes. And you've taken your place in the tapestry of God's plan called the Church of Jesus Christ. And you're being shaped. You're not just being shaped by your own disciplines. You're also being shaped by your relational connections that you have in the church. Friends, it's impossible to fulfill your destiny and and remain as a loner in the body of Christ. God has called us to live and work together. And each of us has something to offer the other. We all have a measure of grace that God has given to us in order for us to share with others and also to receive from others who have received those gifts. Can I hear an amen this morning? So how is it that stones 
get burnt. Here's the verse again, Nehemiah verse, chapter 4, verse 2. Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish? Stones that are burned. Remember, this is the enemy speaking this in a mocking way. Will you ever get out of your fuck? You're going to stay there. You're useless. You're no good. And we just feel that sometimes, don't we? We feel that sometimes because we're not always living on the mountaintops. You realize that, don't you? You can't live up there without oxygen for too long. You got to, you know, James, Peter, and John, what happened? They went up on the Mount of Transfiguration and they saw a glorious appearance of, of uh, Jesus talking with Moses and Elijah and their faces were radiating with glory. But guess what? Did they stay up there for the rest of their life? They had to come down to the plains, down to where the rest of us live and come and live the real life instead of this life, which so often can be painted as the only way to live. But you can't live on top of the mountaintop forever. The top mountaineers will climb Mount Everest. Do they stay up there for long? No, they don't. Because if they stay up there for too long, they will die. So they've got to come back. We've all got to come back down. We love the mountaintop experiences that we all need. But brothers and sisters, we also need to take the glory that we've received from the mountaintops and learn how to apply it down in the valleys of our lives and learn to walk through those valleys and keep on walking out of those things that we find ourselves in. So. You know, I, I, over the years as a pastor, I've seen many lives become scorched and charred. And sometimes I've looked at circumstances within people's lives and our congregations that we've pastored. And I've looked sometimes with the hard, in the hard light of day, and, I'm, and, I, and I've thought to myself, are they ever going to come out of this? Because you see, you think about a marriage. You think about two people who stand before a witness of their closest friends and family members, and they say these words to each other, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. And they make a lifelong commitment in front of their audience. And then a little while down the track, they start having relationship issues. They start having financial problems. They start having their past undealt with emotional experiences begin to hound them in their present-day relationship. And then what begins to take place is that the fire starts to touch their lives and the heat gets turned up. And do you know what the devil's doing? This is what the devil's doing. He's applying the heat to that limestone rock so that the edges begin to crumble. So that when the edges begin to crumble, the devil can come in with his crowbar and lever out that husband and lever out that wife. So once what they said was forever, it's no longer forever because all of a sudden they're going to the divorce courts because they got scorched by the fire. I know some of you have been through that fire. I know some of you know ex exactly what that is like. And I know there are legitimate reasons why you may not be together with your husband or your wife today. But the truth of the matter is that the fire will test us all. And the, and the enemy wants, the, his main objective is that he wants to remove you, to rob you of your eternal destiny as a child of God, to carry out his plans and his purposes together.
So I'm just going to finish off this part of the message. I've decided I'm going to bring it short because I would just like to ask the Holy Spirit to do some more uh, work in our lives today. So I want to give you four simple ways that we find ourselves in a situation where our stone has come under fire and intense heat. And these are ways that I've pretty much observed. These are ways that we see in the scriptures that people become a scorched and burnt stone. The first way is through the spiritual conflict and the pressure that comes against our lives. I want to tell you, nobody in their sane, in their sane mind, in their right frame of mind, would ever put their hand up to be a pastor. Because what people don't realize is how much intense pressure it comes to get to a Sunday morning, to be able to stand and have something to give to the people of God. The amount of witchcraft, the amount of demonic pressure that is rifled against the leaders, because the Bible makes it very clear this demonic strategy has been the same from day one, smite the shepherd and scatter the sheep. Which means if I can take out the church's leaders, then we're going to see the church crumble. And don't we see that all over the world? Nearly every week we see this strategy in action. So I praise God that I'm able to stand here today after 33 years of full-time ministry and still stand and still be able to deliver the Word of God, still be absolutely convinced in my heart and mind and soul that God is a good God who only has good things ahead for you and only has good things ahead for me. And it's by His grace that we continue to stand. Because you don't think that I've had my fair share of battles. I want to tell you I've had all kinds of battles many of them being very personal against my life as a leader. But that's one of the ways we get scorched, is that we find ourselves in the unenviable place of having intense spiritual pressure that's been leveled and strategically aimed. The devil has got his sniper rifle out, and he's pulled it out, and he's sent some bullets your way. And, and sometimes we come to a place where we're, we're in a lull, we're in a funk in our Christian walk, we're not praying, we're not reading the Bible, we're not engaging with the Spirit of God, and then suddenly out of nowhere the spiritual attack happens, the pressure increases, and suddenly we find out whether we're a chocolate soldier or whether we're a real soldier. Chocolate soldiers melt under the intense heat of what goes on within their lives. And God will always use a spiritual pressure to grow us. We have a choice. We have a choice in the midst of that situation. The Bible tells us that we're not fighting. Listen, if you're in marriage trouble right now, if you're in a situation where you seem to be fighting all the time, you seem to be arguing, I know what that's like. I went through three years of that. 30 years subsequent to those three years have been pretty good. But I tell you what, I nearly got nuked in those first three years. I nearly got taken out by this Māori warrior over here <laughs> with her... Taiaha and her midi and her haka, I tell you what, it was nearly all on. We managed to avoid um, a murder headline in the newspaper. And by God's grace, we've been able to stand. But I know the intense pressure that goes on. And, and I just want to say to you today, 
the key to understanding this is that she or he is not your enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness in high places that are strategically aligning themselves around your marriage, and they're putting the pressure on you. So once you understand that, then you can actually begin to develop a new strategy for coming against what's coming against you, and you can fight your way through that battle. We see Elijah as a classic example, and I'm probably going to preach on this in the weeks that come ahead because God brought me back to this whole scenario. But we see that Elijah actually lost his place. He was the leader of a revival. He called down fire from heaven in the midst of a famine. He was so confident in his relationship with God that he told the helpers to wet. And I'm, I'm imagining it's Barak because I've been, I, I've been to Mount Carmel. I know exactly where he was. I can imagine he's got some seawater, barrels of seawater, and they've poured it all over the sacrifice because there wasn't any natural water because it hadn't rained for three and a half years. And he pours, he gets some, he says, pour it all over the sacrifice. Let's make it as hard as we possibly can for these guys. And then he calls fire. Fire comes, absolutely smokes the offering that he brings to the Lord. And then he kills 450 false prophets of Baal who were in Jezebel's employment, takes out the major problem that's going on. So he got the little punk demons, but he never got the principality. And the principality rose up against him Queen Jezebel. Now remember, it's not a person, it's a spirit. So Queen Jezebel was a person in history, but she was operating under a spiritual power. And this spiritual power was so strong that when she sent a message, just as you've killed my prophets, I'm going to kill you. All of a sudden, the man of faith and power was on the run. And, he, and the Bible says he ran for his life. And then he finds himself sitting under a juniper tree with suicidal thoughts. How can this be that we have this giant of the faith? Next minute, he's actually contemplating suicide. Have you ever thought about how could this happen? I'll tell you how the spiritual pressure and conflict that comes against believers' lives is very, very real. And we need to understand that we need to nail this battle against those things that are coming against our lives. We'll talk more about Elijah in the weeks to come. The second area that stones can become very burnt and scorched and charred is painful experiences in relationships and in general in life. Betrayal, people you trusted in, burnt you through betrayal. They promised one thing. They went behind your back. They did another thing. You shared, some, you shared something very precious to you in confidence with somebody else, and then suddenly they're blabbing it on the rooftops. And the knives and the wounds... And the arrows begin to pierce your soul. People get burnt by grief, disappointment, and one of the king hits by offense. Holding on to unforgiveness as a, as a right that you think you deserve that will kill you spiritually. Offense, in my mind, is one of the greatest 
stones the the enemy has that he will throw at us to try and stop us in our tracks because the spirit of offense will completely cut off the lifeblood of God into your spirit. So God becomes dislodged from our lives through our scorched experiences that we have. People can sometimes come into church. They can, if you've never been here, this morning you come into church and you come into this mindset and you think, yes, church, heaven on earth. (laughs) Heaven on earth. Church is heaven on earth. Well, let me tell you something. Heaven is up there. Earth is down here. And where you are this morning is that you are on earth. And because you're on earth, there are real people who were actually created and made on earth. And as a result, you will find that there is a lot of unholiness that's going on in the life of this church. Because we're saved by grace through faith, not of our own good works. There's none righteous, no, not one. And in our developmental process, God is shaping us. God is shining us up. God is working in us. But in all of our lives, we have issues. And wherever you are on earth, there are people. And people can be very irritating. Look at me. I'm probably irritating you right now. Pastor, he's irritating me. Get rid of him. Let's get a, let's get a pastor who's just a little bit nicer to us as a congregation. You may be sitting next to somebody this morning and they irritate you at times. <laughs> Stop. I see those elbows. I see those elbows. So in the midst of relational difficulties, we often get burnt. And here's the thing. If you don't deal with getting burnt, what will happen is that you'll eventually crumple and you'll be dislodged out of the wall of destiny that God has put you in. That is the end plan. Remember that this morning. That is the end game today. Third area is through broken promises and broken dreams. You think of that picture of that couple standing on the land where their house once stood, where they had sacrificed, where they had dreamed together of building this life together and suddenly in one moment of time, maybe an electrical fire, maybe a bushfire, something's happened and their dream has gone up in smoke and they're left standing there thinking, what is going to become of us? So we often find ourselves scorched through broken promises and broken dreams. Maybe it's a healing that never took place. Maybe you were, you were trusting God and you, you had faith to believe that he would heal that, love, love, that beloved person. Maybe it was your spouse. Maybe it was a child and that, that person never got healed. And suddenly you find yourself as a burnt and a scorched stone. Lastly, this morning, the fire will come to us by direct, by direct authorship of God himself. It's called refining by fire or fiery trials that the Lord leads us into. God uses these fires to develop our character and to develop our faith in him. If you think of one of the great Bible heroes of the Old Testament, a man called Joseph, who apart from his younger years where he was arrogant and proud 
told all of his brothers, you're all going to bow down to me one day. Bad move. They all hate, the Bible says, and they hated him even the more because they were jealous of the favor that was upon his life. But as Joseph found himself placed into a pit, sold into slavery, finding himself working as a slave in the house of Potiphar, falsely accused of raping Potiphar's wife, thrown into the dungeon, thrown into the depths, left with no lifeline, no one to defend him, no defense lawyer would take him on. And he finds himself suddenly in the prison of prisons in the heart of the kingdom of Egypt. And he's left destitute. He's left in that place where he's feeling the intensity of the fire. But guess what? Joseph never allowed the fire to scorch him. Instead, he used it as an opportunity to shape his character, to mold his life, to get himself ready for what was coming. You know there's more, church, for your life than what you're experiencing now. I just want to remind you today that God offers you a plan for a future and a hope. He has plans already in the making over your life, which are not what you're living today. So don't give up. Don't give in. Allow the fire to shape you in order for you to rise and shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. So understand today God's plans for you, plans for a future and plans for a hope. Joseph never lost sight of the promise of God. Why do you think God etched a dream, more than one dream so powerfully? You know, dreams have a way of never being lost. When you actually have a physical dream, you can remember it decades down. I can still remember some of the dreams God gave me as a young man, as a new believer as God etched them into my spirit. It's like he draws them onto your spirit and you can't forget them. And so Joseph never let go of the promise. You know what Psalm says about this? And we'll finish on this, Psalm 105, 19, talking in Psalm 105 about uh, Joseph's life. And this is what it says. Until the time that his word came to pass, the, the word of the Lord tested him. Wow. What a verse. What a verse. Until the time, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. In other words, until that prophetic word unfolds and comes to pass over your life and you're in God's waiting room, don't, don't jettison. Don't hit the eject button. Stay in that place and allow the Holy Spirit to do a full and complete work in you this morning. Can these stones be revived today? Can these charred ruins once again bring forth life under the anointing and the power of the one who gave himself for you as Papa Andrew shared with us in communion today, never forsaken because Jesus was forsaken on our behalf. We now know as sons of of the Father, that God will never leave us nor forsake us. And so, church, this morning, would you stand with me today as we finish this word?